Joining us now from the Deseret News, Jay Drew. Jay, give us the lowdown on the starting quarterback for BYU. And if you tell us it's Jaron Hall, I'm going to think you're going to be a smart guy. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice setup, PK. Uh, yeah, that's what all indications, everything's pointing to. Um, obviously, they're trying to, you know, keep it, keep it mum or, or – uh, keep it under the vest, whatever the cliche is. But, uh, yeah, I I think uh, right now all signs are pointing to him as the starter. How big of a gap do you think it is between him and what I think is Baylor Romney with the idea that Conover, they can't afford to put him in right now, uh, given the schedule that they got, because he hasn't played football in a good while. I don't know what class he's in. I guess he's still a freshman, but he literally has no playing experience. I don't think he got in any games last year. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but, I mean, he hasn't anything meaningful, whereas Romney has. So how far do you think the gap is between those two? I think it's very, very um, minuscule. I think if it was a bigger gap, you'd, uh, uh, you, we'd probably, uh, they'd probably say, hey, this is how it is. You know, it's, it's over. I don't think Aaron Roderick is really into playing games maybe as much as, as uh, you know, coaches he's worked under in the past. I, I think when he knows who his guy is, I think he's going to go ahead and share it. So, um, so having said that, I, I think it's, I think it's still really close. I mean, Aaron came on uh, on the Zoom call with us after the scrimmage Saturday, and and he said, you know, it's uh, there's not a lot of separation between these guys, um, but uh, but I think he also knows the value of of getting a guy, naming a guy, having all the teammates kind of get it into their heads that this is the guy, and kind of roll from there, and so I think. I think I wouldn't be surprised if we find out this week, to be totally honest with you. Yeah, the J. Drew of Desert News joining us this morning. I think you're exactly right on that regard as far as what Aaron Roderick is much more of a straight shooter and doesn't really like to play games. He, if he wants to extend it, because that means there's a reason that he wants to extend it, and it's not, well, we're going to trick the media and worry about the, so the Arizona coach, Fish, doesn't know who the starting quarterback is. Arizona's got plenty of issues that they need to worry about about rather than worry about who's the starting quarterback at BYU, uh, obviously. And Aaron Roderick isn't going to play those games. And I'm not sure Kalani's going to do that either because if I can remember back, and you would obviously know this, when it was Taysom Hill and Tanner Mangum, they made an announcement. They didn't uh, wait until we trotted out the first game at that point. They did make that announcement and say who it was. Interestingly enough, I think that was the Arizona game that was the first game too, wasn't it? If I remember, maybe my maybe my timing is off a little bit, but they played. Yeah, I yeah I think so. And then I specifically remember uh, um, driving to a prep game where they announced Tanner Mangum over uh, Zach Wilson, uh, and then obviously Zach took over midseason. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they generally will announce uh, a week to two weeks before before uh you know the first kickoff so that's what i expect them to do this year but uh yeah i don't think they'll go and have us sitting in las vegas you know watching to see who runs out to take the first nap i think it'll be announced you know before then and i think that you're right in that it is a fairly close competition and i feel that i feel like they think that they have confidence in romney so he's been around the program seems like he's been around the program for several years and with that in mind, since it is a somewhat of a close competition and the fact that Jaron Hall has injury issues, 
My guess here, I don't have any particular insight, but my guess is Romney stays put because there's opportunities to transfer and all that stuff. And so, but I would think he would stay put knowing that probably a decent chance at some point he gets out on the field this season. Yeah, I had a nice conversation over the winter with, with Baylor Romney. He he basically told me, hey, I'm here to stay. I'm, I'm uh, he said, you don't need to write that, that I might transfer if I don't get the job. His his wife's in uh, P, or physician's assistant school down here in Provo, um, and uh, she's obviously a former BYU athlete. Um, this is his fourth year, so I'm, you know, he's uh, he's close to graduating. So I would be stunned if Baylor Romney, if he gets the job, or even if he doesn't, even if he's third string, uh, if he transferred. So he's here to stay. I can't say that about the other two. I haven't had that conversation with them. But uh, but but I, I think I think Baylor Romney is kind of the security blanket, and I think coaches know that he's he's a safe guy. He's he takes care of the football. He's pretty poised in the pocket. He's not flashy. He doesn't have the ceiling, the upside that Jaron Hall or Jacob Conover has. You, you know, you, you kind of know what you're getting with him. But but he's kind of that uh, that safe guy that you know you always have kind of in your back pocket if you need him. All right, Jay. Jay Drew with Day News joining us. This doesn't really make sense, but I'm going to say it anyway, and it won't be the first, and certainly won't be the last time I say something on the radio that doesn't make sense. But as I look at BYU's offense, can I argue that they're better than they were last year, knowing that the quarterback is the most significant player out on the field, let alone the offense? So you take Zach Wilson out of the equation, which is impossible to do, but follow along my line of thinking. I'm trying to gauge the quality of the offense around the quarterback. Can I argue, aside from the quarterback, make an argument that the offense is better than last year, even though it's ridiculous to make that argument? Uh, you know, I, I I don't really I don't really agree with that. I just think I mean Dax Milne was a thousand yard receiver. He's gone. Um, Brady Christensen was that uh, blindside you know protector. He's gone. Four or five other offensive linemen are gone. Um, they did add the Nakua brothers, which is a huge upgrade. But there's kind of questions regarding uh, if they'll be totally healthy from day one. Um, the Puka and Samson Nakua. So I I don't see it. I just think uh, Zach Wilson was that good. I, I think it's a it's a pretty big drop off. Uh, and you and uh, you take Zach out of the equation. And I know they're really deep at receiver. I know they got two really good running backs and some really good tight ends that are all back. But uh, but I, I I I just think that that drop off is is more significant than maybe some people want to believe. All right, how about that offensive line? Because on the surface, I was thinking that the running game would be better, but that you have some doubts? Uh, you know, I they've got some solid guys. They don't have a lot of depth at offensive line. Obviously, they got James MP back up at center, but but uh, I mean, if these guys can fill in, um, they should be okay. You got guys like uh, Connor Pay, who's really young, a freshman, um, Freeland, uh, the tackles are Harris Lachance and Blake Freeland. And, you know, I don't think they're as good as Brady Christensen was. Um, so, you know, they'll probably improve over the offseason. I, I know the, the new offensive line coach, Daryl Funk, came in and he's uh, been pretty happy with what he's found. He's expressed that to the media several times. But but uh, I'm uh, I'm just a little skeptical 
of the offensive line. I just I just think there was a little bit too much turnover for them to, to kind of hit the ground running or pick up where they left off last year. Okay. All right. Well, you know more than I do, I think, about it. So I will take that opinion and run with it, which is so, you know somewhat kind of ironic since we're talking about the running game. Uh, I do think if the quarterback can be – he's not going to be Zach Wilson. I, I get that. But I do think the, the, uh, the passing game – and I realize they don't have Mill in. He was a draft choice, so it's a high standard. But I think he, I'm waiting for Romney's brother to really break out and be a thousand yarder. And and two, they got at least two really really good tight ends that could create some serious mismatches. So maybe not on paper, but the potential anyway. I think is there to be at least have a decent offense to where you know, they can put up. 28 points a game off the top of my head. Yeah, I, oh, for sure. The, the, the potential is there, um, for sure. I, you know, I also, you know, I'm a big believer in Aaron Roderick. I think he'll, I think it's pretty obvious that he was more heavily involved last year in the play calling than, than most people thought, um, with Jeff Grimes obviously moving on to Baylor. But, but, uh, I, I do. I think, uh, the, everything is there. All the pieces are in place. But, uh, to be really good, but the the schedule is obviously you know ten times harder. Um, you think it's just so much more difficult this year than last, and uh, you put that factor in with a with a quarterback who's you know say it's Jaron Hall who has some experience, but is also a little bit injury prone. Um, so I'm just saying things could go wrong quickly if uh, yeah. if, if they can't ha- be stout against some of these teams that they open the season with. Jay Drew of the D News joining us. One of the things I think you've done exceptionally well, pretty much as well as anybody or better than anybody, is dig around and find some information, whatever way that you can get that information. And we've got the season upon us here shortly, but the bigger issue is where do they stand in relation to potential movement as far as conferences go because obviously Texas and Oklahoma taking off here four years at the latest, probably sooner, and there's going to be some other stuff that's going to happen, I think, that we'd all agree there's some level of domino effect. Where do you think BYU stands with regard to that domino effect right now? Well, from everything I hear, BYU is being really cautious. They they don't want to jump into something and then have, you know, a year later everything change. Uh, the, the situation is so fluid. I, some of my people say don't count out the AAC, the American Athletic Conference. Um, if BYU were to, were to maybe go to a conference, that might be a better choice than the Big 12 as presently constituted because I think BYU has some worry that these, the, the better Big 12 teams will be picked off by – either the ACC, the Pac-12, or the Big Ten, and leaving the Big 12 with with nothing more than, you know, the Midwest version of the Mountain West. <laughs> so uh, I think that's kind of where they sit. So the only thing I would say was just don't don't rule out the American Conference. They're, they've been far more friendly to BYU than uh, at the top than, than the uh, – than the Big 12 as far as uh, presidents of those schools and – and leadership of those conferences. So that's kind of the only yeah. maybe insider tip I could give you. Okay, how about this? And this is probably just speculation and talk, but the AAC 
not just adding BYU, but picking off some of the remaining Big 12 slash Big 8? Yeah, for sure. Um, that's I, From everything I hear, that's kind of where the battle is, is which, which conference is going to, you know, uh, pick off the Big 12 teams first. You know, if the AAC does, they might their stature grows. They might get a better TV contract. The problem with, with them though is they have something like some like twelve year contract. Yeah. Uh, when all these other grant of rights uh, contracts are up, uh, like in two thousand twenty four, two thousand twenty five, the AACs goes to like two thousand thirty two or something mm-hmm. like that. So, so that's another factor you have to consider. The Bilt Bar thing last week, I thought that, you know, whether they you know, would they give the money to the kids, that's great. But I thought the bigger issue was genius in terms of getting, well, for Bilt Bar, getting their name out there big time, but also for BYU because it got a lot of run nationally. And the name BYU, which is already a somewhat of a household name in college sports, particularly with football, it just it sent a message that, hey, we're going to play big time. And so we're this is another little piece of evidence that – we are big time football. So from that perspective, I thought it was just incredible. It was a, the timing was great, and the execution of it all in terms of getting the most bang for your buck out there couldn't have been better. Yeah, I agree. It was a, it was it was a brilliant move. Um, it's kind of uh, the the latest in a lot of really good moves BYU has made. Uh, they. A lot of times you could accuse BYU in the past of maybe being being too passive and kind of letting everything else to kind of dictate and then they follow along. But they've been really proactive, really out front of this whole uh, NIL movement, uh, player experience, um, all these different things, uh, getting the players more involved in what they want as far as their uniforms that, to look like and I'm just on down the line. So, yeah, I would agree with you. They've, got, uh, uh, they've had a kind of a attitude change, attitude adjustment or some switch where they're, they're all in. It's, uh, you're, you're dead right on that. They're, and this is just the latest to show the country, you know, whoever's paying attention that, that, uh, that you know, they're not just going to sit back and be content with maybe, you know, group of five status or, kind of uh, second tier status that they're going to they're going to try to play with the big boys as much as they can. Thanks for joining us. Okay, guys. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning. This is DJ and PK in the morning, of course, right here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm neither DJ nor PK, but PK will be rejoining us shortly. I'm Jay Cash, the executive producer of this fine program. Hope you all are doing great here on a Tuesday morning. Like I mentioned, PK will be rejoining us here in just a little bit, but wanted to get to some interviews that he has done recently with some University of Utah football players. He had a great conversation with Clark Phillips, of course, a cornerback for the Utes, a guy who was trying to follow in the 
footsteps of Jalen Johnson. Show up to Utah, be a star for two to three years, and then obviously move on to the NFL. Will that be the storyline for a guy like Clark Phillips? Only time will tell. But with, until then, let's let you hear from Clark Phillips speaking with PK one-on-one right here on the Zone Sports Network. Before I mentioned it about your, your recruiting status, basically why Utah wanted to have gone to it um, coaching staff, the family feel, um, players, what they've done in the past, the, the atmosphere. It was everything about this program that I felt really, really comfortable in, you know, committing to and, you know, being a part of. I really just wanted to be a part of something that was special. I wanted to be a part of something that was relentless, um, a team that was going to be competitive, and a team that really cared, and that the coaching staff really loved us for who we are, and I get that feel every single day. How hard of it was the decision to make? It was really tough. It took a lot of prayer, um, my family guidance, my dad. You know, it was really, really tough. And I'm just, you know, so grateful that I made it. Um, and did it, did it come right down the wire? It really did. It, it honestly did. And because, you know, that, that last two weeks before signing day, you know, we got the news that uh, the D coordinator and the Oak and the uh, DB coach at Ohio State was like, well, you know, I'm taking a head coaching job. So, okay, got to make the best decision for me. Meanwhile, I had already been talking to Coach Shaw and, you know, Coach Whittingham, and so it was already in the works, but they kind of put it in stone. And I'm just so grateful that it happened the way it did. So the Utes were close. Yeah. And then when the Ohio State decision came down, that obviously bolted the Utes. Most definitely. Yeah, that's right. And how much of the history were you aware of? Because, I mean, obviously, this program is pretty tough to be so recently as when you were a senior, they put everybody in there. Yeah, yeah, and that's the tough thing. So because I was coming in early, that time period, the draft hadn't happened yet. The coaches were telling me, hey, we've got some guys that are going to go in this 19 draft that, you know, it's going to it's gonna open, it's going to shock, shock some, you know, guys. And so when I decommitted, everyone, all the fans at Ohio State were like, oh, dude, you know, what are you doing? And so I was able to kind of say, hey, look at that. You know, two weeks later when I signed, I was like, but I just had complete faith and that just speaks to the community and, the, you know, the coaching staff because those guys could have, you know, said anything. And the fact that they said it and it ended up being true really, really, you know, showed me, okay, these guys, you know, are about their word and they're going to really develop like they say they are. So this is sort of a new thing with recruits to have interaction with fans at other schools because of social media. You know, you go back, what, 10, 15 years, and that wasn't really possible. How was all that as you were going through that process? Because people had access to you where if you were years ago, they wouldn't have had access to you what they do. Honestly, it's different, and like you said, it, like a couple of, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it wouldn't have been this way. But um, it's a part of this era, and, you know, we kind of have to kind of live with it and kind of roll with it. I'm thankful for everything about it, because um, it's definitely helped me mature, being 16 and having, you know, fans comment on my pictures <laughs> and say, hey, you should go this place. It's crazy. It sounds crazy, but it's the world we live in. And, and it was, uh, is it tough not to let it sway you? You just roll it yeah, back? Yeah, my, my parents, like I said, my parents, and, you know, I you know, wisdom coming from my dad and my mom just telling me, hey, keep your head on straight, focus on one thing at a time. And sometimes my dad take my phone when I was in high school, hey, you need to focus on school. And so now it's allowed for me now that I don't have as much of that guidance. And I was like, okay, I have periods of time, like in ball camp, where I, you know, try to turn off my phone, you know, so I can sleep, certain things like that that, you know, have been really, really valuable. So the DBs have a reputation of going on the phone from Utah, that's obvious, but also they have a reputation, they recently developed one linebacker, but for a long time they've had one defensive line, too. And everybody knows a great defensive line can make uh, defensive backs look really good. That's right. How much are you aware of that? 
Um, honestly, honestly, like when I when I was looking into Utah, that was something that stood out to me. I always looked at programs. Um, the only schools in my top five are you know schools that had great D lines. Um, I want to play behind a D line that's gonna get after that quarterback, throw it up, so I can take the route. Yeah. You know, and so that was something that was big. And so seeing that with Utah and seeing how you know Coach Shaw developed DBs, Coach Scally developed DBs, it was like okay, this is a program I want to be a part of. And so it was a lot easier. So during that time before the draft and before uh, before the season started, well, before the draft left, you said you were here. You came early. Yeah. How much interaction did you have with those outgoing DBs? Jalen, I had, I, had, I had a good amount of interaction. Really, was T. Burge. Um, I talked to him. I went to talk golf with him for an official visit. Um, I got to connect with them. Now, even like when Jalen came back before Cam came to my house, and we talked for a little while. And he was just kind of giving me pointers about the league. And, you know, you know, I've got some years, and I, I was just telling him what I'm seeing so far. And he was telling me what I need to work on. I was just taking, you know, just kind of taking notes and having those guys in my corner has been a blessing. So we interviewed Jalen Johnson as a freshman, and I remember specifically he said my idea is to come here. So I told uh, Logan Link, uh, I want to be Jalen, so I'm doing 2.9 years, so I'll be graduating next fall, and uh, I'll be in a degree with business, a business degree, and, uh, so I'll be graduating right, right after season. How'd you explain that? Um, a lot of hard work, man. So every every one of my uh, semesters, I've been taking six classes. So you know, summer two, basically. So summer usually when guys take two, I'm taking six. Oh, including summer too. Including summer. This last summer is the only one I did different. I took four. And that's still a lot more than most. So that's because my goal is to graduate two point eight, really two point eight, two point nine. And so by deep being at that point, off to the NFL. That's the goal. That's the goal. If the Lord says otherwise, then I gotta listen. But that's the goal. That's what we're doing. I promise the parents I graduate before I leave. Before I leave. So, so Jalen was a high recruit. I think he had his three Utah, SC, and Oklahoma. Uh, Burgess had to wait his time. Comes from that years. story, yeah. And yet he comes on like crazy and basically just one year started to take over the NFL. That's an interesting thing there. What, what did he tell you? You're not really in that case because you're not starting from day one. But as far as maybe following somebody in the stage through some hard times because he could have left. Yeah, and honestly, great question because I mean, just hearing both of their perspectives is funny. They both came to my house at the same time. They were both there, so I got in to come California. Yeah, no, uh, out here I lived with all a couple of my friends. So they both were sitting in the kitchen. We both we all just sat there. It's crazy. Their relationship is great too. Those dudes compete. They were competing about a forty time. They both playing like the sophomore junior year up here. Jalen T. Birds got the last laugh because he ran a faster time at the pro day at the NFL Combine. And so uh, they're competitive and just like we are and not. Jalen was just, you know, explaining to me his process and stuff. I knew about his recruitment. T. Burge has the opposite situation. I'm just kind of seeing how two different guys, recruiting-wise, formed into NFL talents because of the program. That's what made me want to come here. Sure. Honestly. Tell us about Coach Shaw because we, we can't go to practice, but in the days we used to be on the show, it seemed like he do really, he would call him my boy. You know, he's like he's almost like son type yeah. thing. Coach Shaw is like another dad to me. I have a great dad. I love my dad. But Coach Shaw, he's my he's my home dad. He's my dad out here away from home. You know, 
have my dad in California, and I feel like he's he's stepped into that role. You know, he's somebody that I call you know, every night, every morning. You know, I send him texts. You know, he'll text me right back. Hey, son, you need to come to the office. Hey, we need to watch this all the time. And I'll bug him. And I'm checking on his family. He's been that in that piece for me. That's been amazing. How about Coach Gallagher? He likes to yell, but in a good way. Yeah, love Coach Gallagher. Same with him. He's been another you know important figure in my life. You know, just as a man too. You know, being able to not just coaching football, but coaching life. What expectations for this team? What do you see? I see greatness. I see greatness every single day. I feel like the, the biggest key to that is like every single day. Like there will be mistakes and stuff because we're still fairly a young team, but we have a lot of returning guys. But when Coach Galley says something or he, you know, wants something done, it gets done immediately. How much of the Pac-12 play in, in terms of they seem to have a number of receivers that go to the NFL too. So you'll be guarding players that play on Sunday. I'm excited about that. You know, there's definitely a lot of guys that I feel like, you know, are really, really good in terms of talent. But of course, when you've got a great coordinator and a great coach, we feel like we're in this game being up. We've got the players to, to do some matchup and block up. Thank you. Appreciate you. There you go. That's Clark Phillips, Utah cornerback. Now another conversation that PK had with a local product who is looking to emerge this fall in Van Fillinger. Comes to Utah by way of Corner Canyon High School. A guy very highly thought of and according to Lewis Powell, very much is in the mix to op- to start opposite of Mika Tafua at defensive end. PK had a chance to catch up with Van and talk about his arrival to Utah, how his first year on campus went in that pandemic altered 2020 season. So here you go, Van Fillinger with PK right here on The Zone. Stud defensive end from Corn Canyon. Are you stud defensive end at the University of Utah? I mean, I'm going to try my best every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal, really. So you're locked into competition. We talked to Lewis Powell. He said it's a three-man competition to be the starter. That's got to be fun. Is it nervous at all? Nerve-wracking? I mean, yeah. Uh, with competition comes a lot of stress and, uh, and a lot of... Uh, it's, it's really easy to get in your own head and uh, and forget what you're doing, but I try not to do that ever. I really try to just bring it every day and, and take it day by day and try to get better and, and just work on myself and compete with myself, not with anybody else, and really just try to bring it every day for myself, uh, uh, not think about the competition too much. So what do you think you got to do to win the starting job? Uh, I haven't really thought about it too much, really. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do as much as I can regardless um, of what I think I have to do or what I actually have to do. Um, but I think I really just got to bring it every day and take it day by day and try to better myself every day. And I think that'll do it, really. It just plays out how it plays out. Yeah, well, I mean, whatever happens, happens. I mean, the best man will get it. And if I'm the best man, then I'll step up and, and do what I can for the team. So you were a reserve last season. And obviously last season was all screwy and all. But how many plays did you get in last year? Uh, I couldn't tell you the exact amount of plays, but it, it wasn't very much. And uh, I feel like that's probably right because I wasn't really exactly where I needed to be last year in terms of uh, skill level and technique. But uh, I think this year I've gotten a lot better and uh, I've been working really hard in camp and, and uh, the off season to get stronger, faster, uh, get my mind right to understand certain situations so really uh yeah i'm just trying to get better right now so in high school you could pretty much dominate and as a freshman at the U of U in the pac 12 that wasn't the case 
I mean, no, nah, no, nah, it wasn't the case because it's a big difference. It's a big competition difference. Uh, the dudes here are way different than the dudes in high school. So it takes a lot more work to uh, match up to them. And with a, with a weird COVID year under the belt, I don't think it was enough for me to actually uh, get to the level where I was dominating my freshman year. But I think I've worked really hard and I uh, have plans to go out there and dominate this year. So, but it was good enough to give you a taste of what you needed to do last year? Yeah, I mean, it was really good just for experience and just to see what it is like out onto the field. I mean, it was real different because it was a COVID year, but it's still the same people you're going up against, the same offenses, the same formations. So, I mean, it was really good just to get that under uh, my belt and, and get a little bit of experience. So you committed to Texas and then obviously ended up Utah. Can you take us through that story, how that played out? Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a really long, uh, long uh, recruitment. Um, there was a lot of uh, thoughts that went into if I should go to Utah or Texas, and I think when I, uh, I really tried to figure it out, um, it was a it was a really clear decision that Utah was the place for me, and I I'm still confident in that decision, and I think I made the right one. What tipped it in Utah's favor? Um, there's a lot of things. I think the inside, uh, like the. I mean, it's more than that, though. It's the people here was a big thing. The coaches, like, that's a that's a big thing. But then also it's just the, the, the development part and uh, the ability to put people in the NFL. Um, I thought it was like, I mean, I'm seeing Bradley and I, lucky folks who all of them go to the NFL, uh, Pensini, all of that in one year. It was kind of just like, that's my goal at the end of the day. And if they can do this and develop people that uh, – you know, came from nothing. I feel like I should be able to step up and uh, be able to, you know, do my part. And how come it wasn't an easier decision to go through and choose Utah right off the bat then? Uh, because I think when I was younger, I really wanted to get out of here. Just because I think I didn't really appreciate what I had and uh, I didn't understand what I all had here. And, and I kind of wanted just to get a different view. But then when I really stepped back and I, and I thought about it, I was like, it's not, it's not worth it to leave just to leave when there's so many things that should have kept me here I felt like it was just like it wasn't worth it to try to leave just to leave you know what I mean like I wanted to stay in there I, I realized that Utah has everything that I want I mean there's nothing really here that I can complain about I love it here I'm happy to be here and I feel like I made the right decision so it just took you a bit to figure it out but once you figured it out it became obvious yeah exactly yeah I can understand that because I'm wondering you played down at Corner Canyon the defensive coordinator Casey Sotero played at Utah I'm thinking how in the world did he let you go in the first place well, you know, he was always ruined for me to make the best decision for me. So, I mean, when it came down to it, uh, I think he helped me choose Utah a little bit. I mean, I had all of them helping me out. Coach Care, Coach Tatera, I had my mom, my family. It was just a big help in the recruitment process. So, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, Coach Tatera led me to the right place. So, can't be too mad. Uh, how much do you think about the NFL? Uh, not much right now, honestly, because I don't feel like that's my next goal. I, I kind of like to, uh, when I when I set goals for myself, it's like more short term, just so I can reach them and, uh, and see my progress. I don't, obviously, that's the end goal. That's the long term goal. But right now, I've got little other things in mind. So what are those? Give me a couple of short term goals. I mean, uh, my goal this season, obviously, is to start. If that doesn't happen, it's cool. Uh, I'm going to work my ass off uh, to get in there and make an impact for the team. Uh, my goal is to, you know, uh, 
win games, help uh, make plays for my team. Uh, and really, the goal for this season is a Pac-12 championship and maybe even, you know, a national championship. So, so maybe in the short term, it's more team goals. Yeah. And uh, yeah, basically, and just trying to get better for myself. Uh, like every day, I mean, I have a little goal for myself to get better technique wise, whether it's to get better in the run game, to get ready in the pass game. Uh, it's, I have goals for myself, for sure. All right, thank you. Yeah, no problem. There you go. Van Fillinger, Utah defensive end, speaking with PK. Coming up here in just a minute, we'll catch up with Utah media availability yesterday. Andy Ludwig, Kyle Whittingham, and Utah quarterback Cam Rising all spoke to the media. We'll get to those conversations. You're listening to DJ and PK right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. You're listening to DJ and PK in the morning here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm Jay Catch filling in for PK here for just a little bit. He'll rejoin us in the next segment, but a lot to get to in terms of the University of Utah. They had media availability yesterday up on the hill. Kyle Whittingham, Andy Ludwig, the coaches that were speaking. You'll also hear in just a minute from Cam Rising as well. The Utes continuing to get ready for their season opener against Weber State, and it's coming quick, folks. We're excited for it, and of course, the best coverage of college football will be right here on the Zone Sports Network all season long. So let's let you hear a little bit from Utah media availability yesterday. Let's start off with one of the contenders to be the starting quarterback, Cam Rising, with the media speaking yesterday. That's how it goes, I guess. Yeah. And how do you describe the feeling of once you kind of realize that everybody is clicking? Um, just know that the, the offense is going to be fine on all cylinders when that happens, and, and that's what we have right now. So looking forward to keeping that going. How difficult was it to repair the shoulder? Um, went to go see Dr. Andrews, and, and he he pretty much just did the surgery, and it was clear cut and dry, and then just came back and stuck stuck uh, stuck to the rehab, and, and that pretty much was was uh, tedious, but it was it was relative. It was doable for sure. When did you feel 100? Uh, I started to feel. Ooh, that's a tough question. I'm not. I'm not too sure exactly on the date. Probably close to like a month before camp or, or a month or two before camp was when I started to, to get that. No more. No more problems. Really, just get to go. Let it rip. So is it easy not to go out there and not think about it? Yeah, I don't. I don't think about my shoulder at all. What are you thinking about when you're out there? Uh, the play and making sure that we execute what we got going. What is, what is something that your shoulder surgery has taught you just about the grind? Um, that it's a process. I mean, just like anything, it, 
it, you have to stick to that process. You have to take the right steps and not make and make sure that you're not getting away from that and just get extra rehab when you can and take advantage of that stuff whenever you can. When it comes to playmakers, where does this roster rank up against some of the ones that you've had been a part of before? Uh, it's uh, it's up there with the, oh, sorry about that. It's up there with the best of them right now. We're um, we're loaded. We have guys that can make plays on the inside, outside, <laughs> backfield, everywhere. It's, it's, it's going well right now. With success comes confidence, and this just seems like a confident group that, that you know relies on each other and, and doesn't you know focus on outside pressure. Yeah. Um, well, when you when you have a family like this, with how many how many guys we have right now, it, it makes it easy to just lean on them and trust that your teammate is going to be right there, right next to you, fighting through it, and that's what makes it easy. This time of year, what does Kyle Whittingham do really well as a head coach? Um, really, really applies the pressure and makes us work because this is laying the, the, the foundation to a great season right now, and, and that's that's what he does. That's that's why he's been so successful, and that's why he's such a great coach. How much is it a fact of life that quarterbacks you're going to get recruited, and then they're going to recruit two or three others, and then there's going to be another transfer and all that stuff. So from one year to the next, you don't know who's going to be on the roster, but you know you got to come out here every day. Absolutely. I mean that's just that's just competition. That's that's what you want. That's iron sharpening iron, and that's how you end up getting a great football team when you have depth and, and you can make sure that if one guy if a shoestring breaks on, during a play that you have a guy that can come in and execute just as a high level as the next. And when you're going through rehab and trying to get back to full health, is there like a mental hurdle that has to be cleared just knowing that you can still do this at a high level? Um I didn't really feel it. I, I kinda just felt my shoulder getting getting better through time and a lot of times I would have to be held back a little bit just because I did want to keep going and stuff like I only have 30 throws today I hit the mark and I feel like I can keep going but just trusting that and sticking with it and that was that was probably the hardest part the fact that you're past rehab and that you're out here now yeah. you know, what does it say about you know your toughness and your fortitude that you're back out here and really making a play for the job again? um I do it for my teammates I mean they, they make it easy to come out and work uh just always being there whenever I needed a guy to throw to they would always go out there uh that that made it easy for me so, so just just having them around was the good part. There you go, Cam Rising. Now let's look at to his offensive coordinator, Andy Ludwig. Fire away. Coach, you have a fun decision ahead of yourself with the quarterbacks. How's, that, how's it been evaluating after camp? It's been great. It's been a very competitive situation. Uh, all the quarterbacks are doing an outstanding job. I know the, the the race for the number one quarterback gets a lot of attention, but we got a good competition as well for the number three quarterback between three outstanding young players, Quinn and Jackson, Peter Costelli, and Bryson Barnes. So I know all the talk is about one and two, but there's also a battle for that three spot, and I'm very pleased with the progress of the entire position group. You also have a, a lot of running backs, and you know one 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 coming into camp that hasn't really been talked about with Tavion Thomas. How how hard of a choice is it going to be to, to split up the reps with that type of running back spot? Well, it's a real luxury to be able to split up those those reps, and again, you'd like to identify one individual to be the lead ball carrier, but there's four young men that are competing every day with an exceptional skill set. Each one does something a little bit different, so it allows us to be real creative in the way that we use all their various tools and skill sets. What more do you need to see out of Cam and Charlie um, before this decision gets made? Uh, more execution, more uh, completions, just a larger body of work, I believe, is would be uh, my conversation with Coach Whittingham before we make the, uh, that designation. What was your assessment after Saturday's scrimmage for those guys? 
Uh, they both did a good job statistically about even. Charlie had a couple more uh, pass attempts. The completion percentages were about the same. They were both efficient, efficient moving the offense. Whether they were working with the first offense or the second offense, they just intermixed all the way through, and uh, they were productive. So I'm fired up about that. They didn't make the decision didn't make the decision any easier with being uh, that efficient on set. In all your years, though, have you found that the decision sort of makes itself, or the coaches have to step in and make it? Uh, this one, this one, we're going to have to make, and uh, that's a good, that's a great situation to be in because that's again two highly motivated, two football junkies with high football intellect that are playing at a very high level. Last year, the passing obviously wasn't as, as expected. How, how do you feel to get those, those receivers, you know, more play this year as opposed to last year? Well, it's, it's a it's a player driven game, and I have great confidence in the two quarterbacks that are competing for the number one job. I got great confidence in the three quarterbacks compete for the number three job. So if you feel great about the guy pulling the trigger, it's a lot easier to call pass plays. Have you ever seen a situation like this where one of the guys is coming off major shoulder surgery and steps right into a quarterback competition? Uh, let me circle back 34 years. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Just what does it say about, you know, his toughness? His Unbelievable. To Unbelievable to come back from shoulder surgery on his throwing arm and uh, spinning up the weight going with the velocity, the accuracy. Uh, speaks volumes to his relentless uh, rehab. It speaks highly of the doctors and the training staff, everyone that put him back together. Last year, you know, Ty kind of established himself as a running back in the games. Is that something that you expect to see this year, or are you hoping to to have one or two guys that you're, you're hoping to run with when you start against Missouri. Again, if you can identify one one lead back, I think that's the best way to go, and we're in a very competitive situation, and may the best man win, but uh, there's a lot of skill in that backfield. Because the quarterback situation is so close, when you make the decision, will that determine how you will divide the percentage of the reps once the decision is made? It does, and that won't be any different than any other year between uh, uh, a half and a third of the reps go to the second quarterback, usually about a third of the reps. And then the third quarterback, what makes the third quarterback position so challenging is he's responsible to know everything, be able to do everything, but he's not getting any reps with the offense. Now, as, as far as the old line goes, uh, you know, Kyle, Kyle said you guys want to go about 10 deep. How many guys do you, do you think are game ready right now? We got some guys, I think, just five spots, two deep, five spots. So we got, we feel good about 10, 10 offensive linemen. We know there's a couple, we're getting a couple back now that weren't with us for the scrimmage. That's going to be a huge addition for us. But uh, that group is, is depth. So again, that's, I guess that's the third time you've heard that when you talk about the running backs, the O line, the quarterbacks. I'm very confident about the depth and experience at that position. When you bring in a transfer, what's the challenges in getting those people up to speed? Uh, first, acclimating them to the Utah football culture. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of demands on these players. It's very structured. It's very disciplined. Some come from programs that may not have had that same uh, mantra or culture built in. So that's the first thing. Uh, offensively, dealing with new nomenclature, new terminology. Oftentimes, you know, most of us run the same plays basically, but they can be called completely different. And then just locking in on the details of the techniques that their coaches. So how long does that take? 
uh, if you want to play, it can't take very long. They got it. They got to And guys work at it. And uh, right now we have great. You talk about the kids that were here in the spring have a much greater advantage than the players that came in the summer for fall camp. But uh, I'm pleased with the progress of all the transfer players. Kyle's talked about this season kind of resembling in some respects 2019 season. Uh, in terms of the offense, do you expect your playbook to, to kind of resemble that same thing that Tyler ran? Or is this kind of different based on the different QBs? Different, different QBs. So the, the offense, again, uh, we always say we got, hey, we got about 500 plays in the playbook. It, it's a sliding scale. We're going to make sure what we do fits the quarterback position and the supporting cast around him and uh, put the QB in a position to be successful. How do you feel like that has, has gone so far in terms of the team understanding the, you know, the, the playbook and, and what you're wanting to do? Good. Yeah, it's not necessarily new plays. It's just emphasizing whether you're in shotgun or under center, whether it's drop back pass or play action pass. We just want to make sure we're running an offensive system, not just a bunch of plays. Final question for you. By the way, speaking of, of Tyler, um, he had a, he had a pretty good debut with the Ravens in, in their last game. How, how cool was that to see, especially seeing his, his path of where he's at now? Tyler Huntley is an awesome person, awesome football player, unbelievable football junkie the way he worked at it. He deserves every shred of success he's having, so I'm fired up for him. There you go, University of Utah offensive coordinator Andy Ludwig and finishing things off, the head man himself, Kyle Whittingham, speaking to the media yesterday after the Utes practice. Pretty much the same assessment. Offense definitely got the uh, had the better day and got the best of the defense. Uh, you know, just pretty much what we said after the scrimmage is, is what we saw on tape. Um, we threw the ball real well. Uh, we pass protected real well. Had some guys making plays. Uh, Tavian Thomas ran the ball well. Um, so, yeah, same assessment. I know that you, you said the, the quarterbacks are very neck and neck. What about the running backs? Is Tavion Thomas starting to separate himself from the rest? Uh, it's still, those four are still in a pack, and uh, Tavion is right up there. There's there's uh, four guys that could potentially start right now. Now that could change by the end of the week or after Saturday, but right now, at this moment in time, all four guys are vying for for the starting job. You said that you know maybe when some of these guys come back from the offensive line that you can settle that five. Are you able to feel confident going into the season right now with five or eight or whoever? How many? Yeah, we feel we're going to have ten guys, solid guys, ready to rock and and ready to uh, get the job done. Who those ten guys are is pretty well defined. Not 100 percent. There's one of the nine and ten are still kind of up in the air right now, and we still are missing uh, two or three guys that are on the shelf with various uh, injuries that hopefully don't take too much longer. And uh, the sooner we can get the five guys that we identify as the top five together, the better. Right now, that's not the case because of injury. So, what, What's different this year about maybe how well you've done in past program maybe in years past? Well, we got a veteran group in a lot of respects. Uh, even, though, even though their eligibility year may not say so, with the COVID thing backing everything up, we've got uh, guys that have a lot of experience, and we've got a lot of talent. We've got more depth than we've ever had in the offensive line from top to bottom. What's something that now with a couple of weeks into camp that day one has clearly improved to this moment in camp? And that could just be anything in general with this team. Okay, I missed the first part. Like, it's been a couple of weeks into camp okay. now. So from day one to now, what is something that's clearly improved? Okay, from day one to now, I would say the tempo of the offense is clearly improved. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, we're getting in out of the huddle and, and getting up to the line of scrimmage and, and getting, getting everything in motion. Uh, faster, we're a little bit sluggish at that early on. Uh, tackling is getting better from a defensive standpoint. Pass protection has gotten better all through camp. 
and uh, the punting game. I can tell you for sure the punting game has gotten better through camp. When you talk about the quarterbacks being neck and neck, is it a deal where one guy's ahead of another guy for a day or two or practice or two and then the other guy catches up? How's that work? Uh, it's just that's part of it. And sometimes you go three or four days with the same guy out in front. It's just a very close competition. It's very close right now. And, and uh, you know, I would say that if you had to play tomorrow, we could make that decision. But we don't have to play tomorrow. We want a bigger body of work to uh, make sure we evaluate properly. And so that's why we're doing it. How do you define a bigger body of work? Well, if a guy goes two for three and another guy goes one for three, that's a lot different than a guy going 200 for 300 or 100 for 300. I mean, enough body of work where you where you know that you have enough information and enough reps accrued to make uh, a definitive so decision. So I meant like another week? You meant another week? Uh, well, uh, what we want to have... You need another week. We, yeah, we do. I said after the scrimmage that we would not name a starter for sure until after this next scrimmage. Okay. And uh, even when we have the starter, we may we'll decide how to handle the, the uh, announcement of that. Now, you guys are going into the last week of camp, per se, and, and until uh-huh. the guys uh, you know, start school. What are you hoping to accomplish this week heading into that last week? Okay, scrimmage? we got to be better on Saturday than we were last Saturday. That's the objective. That's exactly what we told them after the scrimmage on Saturday in the meetings, is that we have to continue to improve, and things have got to be cleaner, and the execution's got to be better. Everything's got to be sharper in the second scrimmage. Uh, than it was last week. Last week we got a really good start, so we got the bar's been set pretty high, but we got to continue to improve. Do you continue to hold out guys in the second scrimmage? Uh huh. Absolutely. Yep. We still got a long ways to go. We got 17 days, and so we got to get to the scrimmage health or the first game healthy. And uh, there's a lot of proven commodities on this team that don't need a ton of live work to uh, to be ready in game one. You talk about how important is it to be able to have you know, this physical content in contact, excuse me, in, in fall camp, for, especially for the secondary, knowing that they didn't really get a lot of that except for in games last year. Right, it's invaluable. And uh, spring ball was even, uh, you know, as, about, as valuable as fall camp to, to get these guys fundamentally and technique sound. And uh, we took, uh, we've taken advantage of it. And I think we've struck a happy medium. We're not, you know, we hit too much and you start getting diminishing returns. So I think we're right about where we should be right now. You've talked about how 2019, you said you see some comparisons. And I remember back then you said you knew in the spring before the season that the team probably would be favored and they were heavily favored to win the South. And here you see some comparisons, but a lot of these kids weren't involved in that program to where they had high expectations. And you mentioned how you spoke to the team about handling it. And now you've come out, the rankings came out, you're ranked 24 and whatever second in the south have you talked to this team about handling expectations oh sure that's uh, always a conversation and and blocking out the noise and and just uh, being concerned with us right now and, and improving as an individual and then improving as a team and so yeah we uh, we don't focus or talk about you know where we're ranked or anything like that at all we do expect you know we have the goal of winning the back 12 that's an expectation that we place on ourselves and that uh, is in place but as far as where we're ranked uh, in the top 25 or where we're not ranked or where we are in the t- Pac-12 expected to finish. We, we pay no attention to that. There you have it. University of Utah head coach Kyle Whittingham. And of course, we'll have more of these conversations for you guys as fall camps continue and obviously on throughout the upcoming football season. Excited that it is getting so close. Coming up next, though, we'll run around the world of sports, catch up on all the major headlines with what is trending. That's all coming up next right here on the Zone Sports Network.